Well, good morning, everyone. Those of you who are, who are brave enough to uh, get here early. How many from Oklahoma City area? How many from anybody here from Oklahoma City area? Oh, look at them. Came early. Did you drive up this morning? Had to leave early. Okay. Wow. Well, we're, I'm happy to be here with you. And um, it's always, always a pleasure to come home. I call it home to Oklahoma. I'll have more to say about that later on this afternoon. I want to get into our subject this morning, why we misunderstand the Bible and one another. If you read the book of John's Gospel, John's Gospel, you, you, you remember many times, and even in the other Gospels, Jesus says something, and the, and the disciples completely misunderstand. For instance, he said, you know, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the, Pharisees and, and the first thing that disciples say is, is it because we have no bread here? Oh, man, we, we should have had some bread. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the doctrines, the practices, the leaven of the Pharisees. So many times, even they misunderstood Jesus. He would say something and they misunderstand. How many times did the Jews misunderstand? Jesus said, you know, uh, tear down this temple and I will build it in three days. You know, three days. Of, and it, well, how can he build this temple? It took 46 years to build this temple. People are often misunderstanding. Why do we misunderstand? That's the subject. We misunderstand because there will always be misunderstandings. One time a guy, there was an author, he wrote a book called Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And the implication is that, you know, women talk in a different way from men, and, and therefore, and, and it is true to some degree. However, the implication is that all women understand their language, and all men understand their language, and no two men can misunderstand each other, and no two women can misunderstand each other. Well, that's foolish. Women misunderstand each other all the time. Men do too, all the time. It happens all, every day. Some man will misunderstand another man. Some woman will misunderstand another woman. Because, why? Because how we communicate is with words. Now, this is the word. God communicates with, to us with words. The word, right? This is the word. But words, when we speak in the English language or any other language, whether it's Spanish, French, German, whatever, Words are abstractions for something. For instance, if I said, this is a light. Now, this is the, we, we, have a, we have a thing, and I'll say, this light, this is on the stand, it's a light. I call it that. We say, that's a chair, this is a stand. We're using a word to describe this so that it communicates something to you. But words are inadequate. Because if I asked you to imagine a chair, some of you would think of a big old easy chair, some of you think of a rocking chair, some of you think of a straight chair, some of you think of, you know, very, a, a lounge chair, or, you know, one of the kinds that's, uh, that leans back chair. There are all kinds of chairs. So you say the word chair, does it really communicate exactly what you have in your head when you're thinking of a chair? No, 
So in order to describe it, you would have to go further to describe what kind of chair, if you wanted that person to see in their mind what you're seeing up in your head. Here are some phrases. <clears throat> I'll be back in a little while. What's a little while? What's a little while, Tom? Uh, I don't know. What's a little while, Tim? Huh? A few minutes. Few minutes. What's a little while, Tracy? You're asking the wrong person. I've never found one. You never use. You never go for a little while. No. Okay. <laughs> a little while. Never make it to me. A little while. You, you, you can't go for a little while. You, you're a long while. Okay. Uh, but, but everybody varies. What's a little while? And you see how people are saying, I thought you said you'd be back in a little while. Well, I am. The woman thinks a little while is 20 minutes. The man thinks a little while is two hours. You see how that, you see how that misunderstand? People will say, well, it's very warm. It's very, is, it, where, is it warm in here? See, some people say yes. Is it cool in here? See? <laughs> Because if, if whatever the temperature is, if 75 degrees or 73 degrees is warm to you, then it's warm. But somebody needs to, but you say it's warm. People say it's a good movie. People say, I go to this restaurant and the plates are really big. Well, what's a big plate? You know, if you're, if you're one of these guys can eat a, you know, a 48 ounce steak, uh, that plate may not be big. So again, words, Words are abstractions. Words are often very difficult because we, we say it, but the other person has to interpret what we mean by big, by little, by small, by warm, by hot, even by funny. The play, you know, I saw a movie, it was very funny. But a guy told me, go see this movie, it's very funny. I went, I didn't laugh. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. So, how funny was it? What was it about? <laughs> Depends on what you think is funny. So what happens when you're trying to communicate? You have a thought. You have to now encode that thought with words. See, I have a thought. I now put that thought in, encode it with certain words. I now send those words, whether it's written word, whether it's a spoken word, I send that, those words through a medium, maybe through, uh, through uh, email, texting, or some other word. I send those words to you. You pick those words up. You now decipher them. You're now decoding my words. Okay. And now you're trying to make an interpretation of what, in my mind, I have in my mind. I encode the words. I send it to you. You decode the words and try to get my thought. But remember, words are often inadequate. Words are often abstractions. It, you know, people will say, you know, go, a go down a little ways and then turn left. What's a little ways? Is it a mile? Is it two blocks? What's a little ways? All right. So then you have to interpret to get that thought. What we hear and what we see 
we see through a filter in our head. Uh, would you please put that, uh, that little word up on the... Okay. What do you see up here? What, what's that say? What, what, what's that say, Rita? Okay, so she sees both both of them. Okay, okay. Now you'd be surprised. I write this out for clients all the time. Someone say, "Love is nowhere." Well, if you've had a tough time and you've divorced or you're having love, they, that's what they see. Love is nowhere. Other people, if they're having a good time and they have a good marriage and things are going well, they meet somebody. Love is now here. See. Depends on the filters. We all see through a set of filters. What are those filters? Those filters are your experiences, your beliefs, your value systems, what you are accustomed to doing. All those are filters. So when you see anything or hear it, it works its way through the filters of your mind in your interpretation. That's why people can hear the same speech, hear the same sermon, see the same event, and come away with different interpretations of that event. Because everything you see, you think you see it exactly, but you don't. Everything you see and everything I see is colored and influenced by a set of beliefs and filters of the mind. Follow? Okay. So Jesus says, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Where's the bread? He wants to know if we have any bread. <laughs> because... Bread was their thing. It was, you know, in the Middle East, you know, you got to have food. And, you know, he's probably wondering, well, he had bread. Somebody said, do we supply him with bread? So right away, they jumped to another conclusion. That's not what he was talking about at all. And then, of course, there are metaphors, analogies. You say something that is really not the something. When he said leaven of the Pharisees, he didn't really mean leaven, did he? He's talking about their teaching, their, their wrong teachings. That was what he meant by leaven. It wasn't literally leaven. So we hear, we see through filters. And therefore, recognize this principle. There will always be misunderstandings. There will always be misunderstandings. And because there will always be misunderstandings, how, how are we going to solve that? Okay? And the word is feedback. Feedback. Without feedback, we often misinterpret. And then we often act on the misinterpretation. You hear somebody say something, you take it the wrong way, you misinterpret, you think that person said something that's insulting to you, or did something. Sometimes you don't, they don't say anything, you just see them, and you, don't, you, know, you make an interpretation of their actions. When I was in the Akron church after services one Sabbath, you know, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of in the genre of, 
or in the, in the tradition of Lawrence Gregory. Uh, we, in, in Akron, we wanted to start services on time. I'm known for, you know, we want to start services on time. We want to end on time. That's how we do it. Well, I'm in church, and people are up talking to me. I'm walking, and then people are up getting up, out of shaking my hand, and I'm saying, greeting some brethren there. And, you know, they're, I see them every week, but I'm greeting them. And all of a sudden, I look at my watch. It's time to start church. So I, I, I leave the aisle, and I come up to the front, and I said, okay, we, you know, the song leader, let's, let's get going. We, you know, it's time to start services. <clears throat> so we started services. On Sunday, the next day, I get a call from one of the church members. And the man said, Mr. Antion, I just wanted to ask you uh, if you're, why you were mad at me or if you're, if you're mad at me. I said, well, absolutely not. I mean, you know, why did you think I was mad at you? I'm, absolutely not. Why, why would you? He said, well, I reached out my hand to shake hands with you yesterday, and you turned your back and walked away. I said, oh, no, Mr. His, I think his name was Walls. Mr. Wall, I said, no, no, no. I, I, I would never have t t turned you down. I said, I may have looked at my watch, realized it's time to start church, and turned away. I didn't see, honestly, I didn't see your hand. And he said, well, I thought so. He said, <clears throat> I said to my wife, I don't know why Mr. Antti would be mad at me. <laughs> he said, and I said, uh, absolutely not. I would never turn my back on your hand you know, when you reached out. I would never do that. So he said, well, I thank, thank you. I said, no. I said, no, I don't thank me. I want to thank you that you had the courage to call me and ask me. You see what he did? He gave me feedback. He, he made an interpretation of my actions. He thought my actions meant I, 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 that I, was, I wouldn't shake his hand because I was angry with him in some way. But he had the courage to call me and give me a feedback. Mr. Antion, did you mean, are you upset with me? In other words, your actions acted as though you were upset with me. And I said, no, I'm not, of course not. I would, I have no, you didn't do anything to me. And he said, well, I thought so, but I didn't understand why you didn't shake my hand. I explained it. I said, I, I, I didn't see your hand. I may have looked at my watch and then turned, and you were reaching your hand out at the same time. I said, no. So that's feedback. So feedback is, I want to make sure I got your message. Am I interpreting you correctly? And especially it's true if you're offended. Especially if it's true if you think someone is saying something or doing something that in your mind you think is, is attacking you, hurtful to you, neglecting you, uh, insulting you. That's when you want to give them feedback. Hey, I said something to you, or I heard this, I heard what you said. Did you mean to say, did you mean to say that I was stupid? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, now if he says yes, then you got a very clear message, right? <laughs> There's the clarity. If he said no, I didn't mean to, but my, by the way, while we're talking about it, you know, uh, uh, so, 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 so when you give feedback, you see, that person has a chance to clarify. They may have made a misinterpretation. And we often do that. So what you want to do, you want to listen to the person. 
You want to try to empathize, that is, try to understand where they're coming from, what they're saying. You want to ask a question. Am I getting you right? Let me, let, let me see. You say, uh, may, I, may, I, may I see if I've got this right? Then you paraphrase what you thought they were saying. Okay? Now, if I hear you right, you're saying to me that you felt that what I did was not correct because such and such and such and such. You summarize, and they, then they say, well, they may adjust what your interpretation was and say, well, no, no, it wasn't that, it was this. And then you summarize it again to them so that you get an accurate read. Now, here's the problem. Most of us hear it. We react instantly. We think it's an insult. We think it's a this. We think it's a that. And we react instantly, and we're this and I don't want to give them feedback. They insulted me. I know what they said. I heard it. Okay. Now, you have to understand that sometimes the message that was sent is not the message that they wanted you to receive. You received another message. For instance, if a couple is going over to somebody's house, and as they leave the house, they had a nice, beautiful dinner, very nice, everything. And the husband says to the wife, wasn't that a gorgeous dinner? Didn't she do a wonderful job in, 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 you know, in the cooking? And wasn't she such a gracious host and, and all that? And the wife says, well, maybe you ought to marry her. <laughs> you know, at that point, that the message that was sent was the message that was received was not the one you intended to send, unless you're a stupid husband, you know what I mean? Right? You didn't mean to send that message, but that's the message she picked up. So now, when she comes back with that, you're going to have to immediately correct it, right? Because you know she's giving you the feedback through anger, hostility, you know, maybe you ought to be married to her. Well, honey, I wasn't saying anything against you, I was saying just that, that she did a good job, okay? So, we have to ask, you have to ask, what, am I under, what, what do I understand you to be saying? Is this what you meant? Okay? Now, some people are sticklers for a word. You know, they'll say, you know, in, in, in talking, do you realize how amazing this, this ability to speak is? You, you understand that? You and I have a tremendous ability to speak. No other animals have that. And here's how, the scientists, uh, uh, here's how the scientists conclude about our ability. You know, you try to teach a chimpanzee to, to speak or a dog to speak. You can, you know, they can try, but they don't, they don't get it. And a little kid, you know, two years old now, starts talking with words and talking sentences. How would they do that? Well, they say this. Uh, we are equipped with an LAD. This is, this is scientists now, okay? This, we are equipped with an LAD, which stands for a language acquisition device. That's how they explain it. You have a language acquisition device. You, you can acquire a language ability. Every little kid acquires a language ability. And now, thanks to Maria, uh, the, uh, uh, what's her? I'm trying to forget, uh, Montessori. 
Maria Montessori, she realized that at a certain level, uh, children can learn any language. At a certain age, in a certain age of time, if you put that child in China, if you put that child in Russia, if you put that child in Iran, if you put that child in South Africa or in Africa, that child will learn that language like that immediately. I'm always amazed. You go to France and here's this little kid speaking French. Now I can study French, I can work on the French books. This little kid, two years old, is speaking French. How can he do it? He didn't go to school. He didn't take any college classes. He didn't learn anything, but he's speaking French. Language acquisition device. We learn language. But the amazing thing is, as you're talking, you are recalling words. You are reaching in for vocabulary, for grammar, for the right word. For the, for the proper noun, pronoun, verb, adverb, adjective, all the, and a various well of vocabulary that you've acquired. And you're trying to express your thoughts using that, and many times instantly picking up a, a word. Instantly. So think about it. You pick up the wrong word. You say the wrong word. And somebody says, well, yeah, but you said, you, 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 you used this word. You, I didn't mean to use that word. I, I thought I would. So now we'll pin them down on that word. And some people are just really big on that word and they can't get over it that you use that word. And the person is telling you, I didn't mean that word. Now, where's the meaning? The meaning is in you. You've got to say that. What did you mean to say? You used the wrong word. But what did you mean? The meaning is in you. However, the consequence of your words is in the other person. The consequence of your word is in the other person, because they're reacting to that word. Okay? They're reacting. They're upset. But the meaning that you meant was, is in you. And so in order to understand the meaning, you have to ask the person, what, what in fact did you mean? What, oh, well, then you, should, you didn't want to say that word. You wanted to say another word. They may have used the wrong word. All right, so when, you, when you're listening, you're giving feedback, and you say, let's see, now I think I got it. I think you're saying to me uh, to drive home, stop by Joe's house, pick up the borrowed lawnmower, leave Joe's house, go to the grocery store, we need a gallon of milk and, and some eggs. Uh, did I get that right? So you, you see, when, you're, when you give feedback, you're understanding what that person is saying. All right, we, uh, one of the things that people do in my business as a counselor, uh, as a psychologist and counselor, uh, people will make uh, uh, statements that are very uh, difficult to understand. And I do not want to interpret their statements for them. I'll say, well, what's the problem? And I'll say, Everybody hates me. Life is terrible. Well, see, I, I, I can't let them go with that. You have to come back. It, the, the, the therapist is not supposed to do what is called a trans-derivational search. 
You don't want the therapist figuring out what they're meaning. So you can't let that go. You say, what's the problem? Nobody likes me. Who specifically are you referring to that doesn't like you? Because we know that the person's got to be liked by somebody, you know. Unless you talk to them a while and you realize, you know what, you're right, nobody likes you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that, that, that generally doesn't happen, but you know, maybe one or two in the world. So you say, specifically, who are you referring to? When they say, oh, life is a bummer. When you say, what, what do you mean life is a bummer? Where is it a bummer? Who's it a, who, who, what has happened that makes you say that? What happened recently? What has happened in your life? So you don't want this person, you want to know, you know, people don't like me. Who doesn't like you? Things are all messed up. What thing is messed up? What do you mean things are all messed up? Who, what thing is messed up? What specifically is messed up? If they say life is hard, what part of your life is hard? When you mean hard, what do you mean? Difficult? It's hard for you to deal with? You've got to clarify that. You can't help people unless you get a clearer picture of exactly what they mean. Here's the worst thing the counselor or minister or pastor or, or could do is to say, when they say, life is all messed up, boy, I sure know what you mean by that. And, you know, the life is, you, you don't know what they mean. Don't, don't use your transderivational search to figure out what they mean. Because what you have to do then is go into your own experiences and come out with an idea of what they're trying to talk about. You see? <clears throat> all right. So these are the ways we can misunderstand one another. Let's talk about how we misunderstand the Bible. First of all, people often misunderstand the English language. You know that a lot of people do not understand English, even though this is written in English. Especially if you've got an old English Bible, about 400 years out of date, okay? It's like Shakespeare. You know, you pick up a Shakespearean uh, play and you read it, you, don't, you, you won't get a lot of the uh, information because a lot of the Shakespearean language has changed. What, what it was, what meant then is not what it means like today. So first of all, you've got to understand English. It's a problem when you're reading the King James Version because uh, you'll see, we shall not, you know, there's a passage in 1 Thessalonians, those of us who are alive shall not Prevent them who are asleep. Prevent. Prevent means, what does a prevent mean to you now? To stop somebody. Prevent defense, right? We're going to stop you from, from getting this, uh, this. But that's not what the King James means when it says pre. It means precede them. We don't go ahead of them. Those of us who are alive and remain will not go ahead of our brothers and sisters who died early. So that's what it means. So you, you can come away with misinterpretations if you don't understand the language. Now you have to understand another thing. This is a translation of the Hebrew in the Old Testament, the Aramaic in the book of Daniel, the, the Greek in the New Testament. It's a translation. These are not the original words, okay? So when you are in 
when you're reading the Bible, you have to realize you are reading a translation of those words, not the actual words. You have to realize that the Bible was written in a different time from us, in a different culture from us, in a different language from us. Okay, so you're reading the Bible, you're reading this. That's why often I like to go to the Greek or the Hebrew word and make sure, am I getting that right here? Is this, is this truly a proper uh, interpretation? Is it truly what that word meant? Okay. And there are many helps, you know, you can get many, many wonderful helps that what, even though you don't read Greek or you can get wonderful helps, Vines, uh, Greek English dictionary is wonderful. Uh, they even have a Hebrew English dictionary. So you have to understand that. People often read into statements. They make an interpretation, they read into it. Now let me give you, uh, <laughs> when I was first uh, listening, I listened to this preacher over the radio, you know, I was back, I'm just a little, I lived in a little farm in western Pennsylvania. My folks had a motel, service station, restaurant business. But we lived on a farm because they had to buy that farm in order to plow the, get a, a, a highway front for their business. And I'm listening to this preacher preach. And I got an idea and I started thinking about the Bible. And finally, I actually bought a Bible. We didn't have a Bible. We had, we had a little New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. So I got interested and I bought a Bible. But even in the New Testament, I saw Jesus' statement. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, give, give not that which is holy unto dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Well, I would never cast a pearl before swine, is what I thought. I don't know who, how stupid could you be? You, gotta, you pay a lot of money for a pearl and you throw it to a I figured I, I, I would certainly not do that, but I'm not going to give anything holy. Well, what's holy? So I'm reading in the Old Testament the sacrifices that the fat is holy to burn on the altar. You shall not eat it. That's holy unto the eternal to make a sweet smelling savor to God. You know, when you barbecue, it's that fat that really makes it smell good, doesn't it? So I thought, hmm, I can't give fat to our dogs. Now, yeah, you have to understand, I'm 17 years old. I know nothing about the Bible. Nothing. I didn't even know that it was in Hebrew and, and Greek. I didn't know anything. But I've started thinking the Bible's got to have some secrets, got to have some really understanding. So I interpret this, give not that which is holy unto dogs, as don't throw the fat to the dog. So, my mind would say, here, take the bone out and take this meat out to the dog, you know, left over. And so I threw the bone down there. The dog would go for the bone. I'd take the fat and throw it up in the weeds and all that in our little farm area. So the, I thought I was doing God's will. Okay. Don't give what is holy unto dogs. Okay. See, people, and people often read into the text rather than asking what the text means. You read in, you get, a, you, get a, you get a message in your head, you now 
look for that message in the Bible and read into the text. That's, that's called eisegesis, meaning reading into the text. Exegesis is the process of letting the text speak to you, letting the Bible speak to you. Understanding what the Bible says and letting it speak to you. That's what we want to do. I uh, give you some ideas of how, how we uh, misinterpret. For instance, uh, here was a passage. <clears throat> I wish above all things, this is in the book of John, 3 John, I think. I wish above all things that thou would prosper and be in health. So, here's the question. Is that God's direct will to you? Is that a Bible promise direct from God to you? That you should prosper and be in health. And therefore, if you're not prospering, or if you're not in good health, you are contrary to the will of God. So we often interpret it that way, right? Did we interpret it that way? But if we take that passage in its context, who, who, who was it written to? Written to the elder Gaius, I believe, in 3 John, right? Elder Gaius. And he was doing well. He was helping a lot of people. He was an elder, then John loved him, and, and John said to him, you know, brother, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, you're doing very well. If you take that as an absolute ironclad will of God that everyone has to prosper and be in health, then what are sick people? They're outside the will of God? See, I'm not willing to make that interpretation. You can, you can make it, but I'm not willing to. I think generally, of course, what, you know, all my studies and all my research says it's better to be rich and healthy than poor and sick. I mean, that's... Uh, would that go without saying? <laughs> Do we have to explain that? <clears throat> of course. So, you're, you're, but, but to make that, to take that, pound that in, that that's God's will, and if you're sick, you're not in God's will, I think is to do a disservice. It's to make people feel guilty for no reason. None of us like to be sick, but the truth is there is sickness in the world. I don't like to be sick. Nobody likes to be sick. We just lost a lady we've been praying for. Uh, her name was Noni McVeigh. She, she had, a year and a half ago, she was given six months to live with stage four liver cancer. She made it a year and a half, but she's dead. Now when we get back, we have to go to her, her memorial. We just get back on next Thursday, a week from day before yesterday. We'll get back this coming Thursday. And, uh, and we have to be at the, up in Carmel, uh, where, her, where they live. They're going to have it at the Carmel High School a memorial for her. She was very popular in the city there. She was a real estate agent, so she knew a lot of people. And was very, very nice, very ethical, very, very kind. And uh, so a lot of people will attend her funeral. They want me to officiate, so I will be there. But that's, you know, we just get back, bang, Sabbath comes in, and I've got to go up there. <clears throat> All right. 
So is this God's promise to prosperity? God wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health? Is that God's wish? Are there poor Christians? Are there poor Christians? Of course. The Apostle Paul said we're going to take up a collection for the poor saints that were in Jerusalem. They were so poor, we had, he had to take up a, a collection of fruits and vegetables and food to take to them. Understanding Hebrew poetry. Do you understand Hebrew poetry? Do you know that there's a lot of poetry in the Bible? Yeah, a lot of poetry. Most of the Psalms are poetic. Now, if you have a King James Version of the Bible, you will not see that because it doesn't distinguish the poetry from other statements. But most of the newer translations of the Bible, New American Standard and others, will put that in a, po in, in a, 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 a verses that to kind of automatically show you that that's poetic. It's meant to be Hebrew poetry. Not that it rhymes, but it's done in a certain meter, in a certain way, and, it, and it's poet. Here's a passage. <clears throat> Psalms 103. Verses 1 through 3. Bless the eternal, O my soul. Bless the eternal, and forget all his, not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Remember that statement. Psalm 103, verse 3. Who, what? Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. You want to go to the bank on that statement? You want to bank everything you have on that statement that that is the way it will be? You can't do it. Poetry is not meant to be, you can't, go and take something that's in Hebrew poetry and act as though that is absolutely literal for you. Now, nobody is a bigger believer in the Bible than I am. Do not think that I'm discounting the Bible's words. I am not. But it's important that we make proper interpretations. You remember the, the psalm so many will die on your right hand. So many will die on your left. You remember this is Psalm 91. Let me read it. Psalm 91 beginning in verse 7. A thousand shall fall at your right hand. And ten thousand at your, uh, at, at your side. Oh, a thousand shall fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not. The plague. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall behold and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the eternal, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. There shall, not, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up. Now this was a prophecy that Jesus quoted. I mean, what, the, what Satan quoted, you know. Satan quoted this to Jesus. You know, you can jump off here. Doesn't it say, he shall bear you up? They shall bear you in their hands and they, that you dash not your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. You shall, shall you trample under feet. Now, that's all poetic. You understand that? Listen, listen, to, the, listen to the 
the, the phrases. You shall, they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Okay? He shall give his angels charge over you. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, and you shall trample them under feet. Now you're going to trample, how many lions are you going to trample? How many dragons are you going to slay today? How many are you going to trample on? But people will, people will put an interpretation, a thousand shall fall, no evil shall come near your dwelling. No plague, no evil. See, this is, it's praiseworthy language. I'm going to read you a little poem. It's poetic language. I want you to listen to the poem, okay? It's, it's Rudyard Kipling's If. Remember that? Here it is. Think of it, taking it literally. You going to take this literally? If you can keep your head while all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting. I'm sorry, folks, I can't do that. I get tired waiting. All right. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about. Don't deal in lies. Or being hated. Don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve you long, serve you your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Now if you take that poem literally, there's no men in here. Right? Because nobody can do everything. You're going to risk everything you have on one term of the pitch and toss. Are you going to, you know, never get upset by anybody? Nobody can hurt you? People can hurt you. Let's face it. You love people, people can hurt you. Otherwise, you steal yourself away from people so that nobody can hurt you. Of course they can hurt you. Don't be silly. 
This poem is meant as an exaggeration of, of virtue, of the way you want it. It's, it's, it's exaggerated beauty. It's exaggerated issues. It's not to be taken literally. You understand? And many parts of the Bible and Hebrew poetry are meant to extol God, extol the, the, the protection God gives, exaggerate it way up high that God is the master, God is the, is the, is the, is the, the one that who protects, God is the one who keeps us, God is the one who preserves us. But you can't say that if something bad happens to you, oh, 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 oh you know, I must be bad, or God failed. Will a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand? Are you gonna, literally 10,000? You're going to stand there while 10,000 people die at your right hand? Don't take that literally. It's meant poetically. It's meant exaggeratedly so that you get how great God is. God is so great, he loves us, he forgives all our, our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. But if there's a person over here in God's church, a, a servant of God, a, a maid servant of God, who has a disease and is dying, does that mean what? Now, we used to have a convenient way. We used to blame it on the people. Well, if you had faith, God would have held you. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe we don't know what you do in your private life. Maybe you're not exactly. Maybe you fudge and you ate some bacon bits. <laughs> and now we see the results of your iniquity. You see how we, we kind of put it on the people. Because after all, the Bible says, God forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Well, you didn't get healed. According to your faith, be it unto you. You must not have faith. Brethren, I've watched people that I thought, man, uh, if I only had that much faith, if I wish I had that much faith, and they died. So, does God let the rain come on the just and the unjust? Tell me. When Jesus said, you know, you know that tower over there, the tower of Siloam that fell on all those people and killed that, those people? Did you, do you think they were the worst people around here? No, they weren't. Things happen. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Floods happen to the just and the unjust. Earthquakes happen. They knock down buildings. People die in different things. Tornado killed one, one member out here in Oklahoma some time ago, a few years ago. So, does God protect us from every event? Everything? And if it happens to you, does that mean you're bad? We have to make proper, proper interpretations. Do you understand what I'm saying now? Hebrew poetry, you can't go to the bank on it and act as though God said it literally to you. You have to take the scriptures in their context, who they were written to, what, what was, the, what was the, the subject. Oh, we have a lot of promises. We have wonderful promises. 
We have the promise of salvation. We have promise of Jesus Christ. We have the promise of an abundant life. Loving God is a wonderful thing, but there are trials. There are temptations. There are afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That happens. Here's an interpretation. <laughs> You'll remember this, some of you. <clears throat> we had to... We had a way of, we had to count, you know, there were 50 days to Pentecost, right? Count 50 days from the morrow after the Sabbath. Now, the Jews, they had a problem with the Sabbath. Hey, which Sabbath is it? Is it the first day of unleavened bread Sabbath? Is it the last day of unleavened bread Sabbath? Is it the Sabbath of the weekly Sabbath in between the first and last day of the unleavened bread? So they had that problem. We didn't have that problem. We said we're going to take the Sadducean look and we're going to go for the weekly Sabbath. That Sabbath is a Sabbath. From the morrow after the weekly Sabbath, we're going to count 50. So here was, here's how they did it, like this. Our leader said, okay, if we're going to count it, one day from Sunday is what? What is one day from Sunday? Monday. Two days from Sunday is Tuesday. And he keep going until he came up to 50 days from Sunday. And what day was that? Monday. A Monday. I think we're the only church in history that ever celebrated uh, Pentecost on a Monday. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty close <laughs> to sure that that was the only, only church in history that did that. Because we didn't understand Hebrew. We didn't understand how you count, how the Hebrews counted. And many foreign languages do not count like we do. When you say count from this, they start with this. Now we have in the English language uh, a way of doing it. We say, if I said to you, uh, your assignment is to read from pages 27 to 57, what, what page would you start with? Huh? 28? No, you start with 27. Read from, from page 27 to 57, you'd start with page 27. But when we talk about time in the English language, we say, start two days from now. Well, we would say two days from now would be what? Sunday and then Monday, two days from now. That's how we interpret. Many, many things will say, I'll see you a, a week in eight days. A week in eight days, meaning starting today. A week from now is it, starting today, if you count today. That's how they count in various foreign languages. But we didn't understand that. We didn't understand the phrase except for fornication. We didn't understand fornication. We said... Our, our, our leaders said, and I was, went along with that on the, on the stand and everything else, I was in trial because I believed that. As I believed what our leaders said, I wrote a letter to a lady in Akron, and she asked me if, if their marriage was binding. I said, were well, you married before? Yes. And was, was there any fraud in their husband's first marriage? No. Well, then you're except for the cause of fornication. How do we interpret the word fornication? 
premarital sex. Look it up in any dictionary. The English word fornication generally means premarital. So we said, okay, if you didn't tell your spouse that you had sex before, before you met her, then that was fraud and they could put you away later. But once you're married, she can commit adultery or he can commit adultery all, all he wants and you can't get out of it because it's not fornication. It's adultery. <laughs> That's how we interpreted that for years and years and years. Because we didn't understand the word porneia, that it included adultery. We didn't understand that. So to understand the Bible, we've got to understand its background. The background of a particular book, to whom it was written, what the language was, Bible customs, Bible geography, the laws of the Bible. Most people have no idea what Jesus meant and why he said or did what he did. Because they don't understand the custom. They don't understand what he was doing. Especially modern churchgoers, Sunday keepers, and so on. They have no idea what the laws were, what Jesus wanted. Let me ask you how you interpret this. Here it is. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. And a woman, my shirt's coming a little apart here. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the hem, according to King James, the hem of his garment. Now, I have a coat, some of you have a coat, can you touch the hem of my garment? Is that what they talk about? Touch the hem of Jesus, what, what, what did she touch? What was she touched, Greta? The what? Tzitzix. That's right. What, what is that? Here it is in Numbers chapter. Let me, read, let me read this in the Christian Standard Bible. They were begging him that they might only touch the tassel of his robe. And many, and as many, this is Matthew 14, verse 36, and many as touched it were completely healed. That's a different scripture. Scripture from Matthew 9.20. Matthew 9.20, the woman came up and touched that fringe tassel. Here it is in Numbers chapter 15. What Jews did in Jesus' day, and they did this. Speak to the children of Israel, instructing them to make through all their... <laughs> Sorry, Richard, don't get too mad, okay? I'll put this back on right away. This thing's not very strong. Okay. He's still on, Richard? Am I on? Okay, he says, I can't see very well when you raise just one hand up like that, the finger, I don't know what, uh, what okay. All right, so I just see one finger going up. I didn't know if that, okay. Uh, I'm, near, I'm nearsighted, you know. <laughs> All right. Here's Matthew 9.20. And a woman who had had a suffering from a hemorrhage came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment, or the fringe. Here is Numbers 15, verse 38. Speak to the children of Israel, instructing them to make through all their generations the tzitzat, tzitzat uh, 
the hem, the tassels on the corners of their garments and put with it the tzitzit on each corner of a, with a, a, a blue thread. Now what that did, devout Jews, when they have that on, that said, I'm a keeper of the law. I'm a keeper of the law. I'm, 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 an obedient, I'm obedient to God. I, I put God first in my life. I'm obedient to God. So Jesus is walking along. Here's a woman. She's suffering. She's suffering. And she sees him. She knows he's a, he's a dedicated person. He's dedicated to God. He's dedicated to the law. If I, she said to herself, if I could just touch that tassel, if I could touch that blue thread, if I could touch the tassel, I'll be healed. And so she touched the tassel, and Jesus said, who touched me? There's a lot of crowd around him. Who touched me? And the disciples said, why everybody? I mean, they're crowding around. Why would you ask who's touched? He said, I, fe I, felt, I felt power go out of my body. And God honored her, and Jesus didn't even know he was being touched, and, and it, it, she touched it. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 36, it says in the Christians, uh, in the complete Jewish Bible, they begged him that the sick people might only touch the tzitzit of his robe. That's that tassel of his robe. And all who touched it were completely healed. So people said, can we just, can we just touch that part of your robe? And they did. Now that's not a, that's not any kind of thing that, you know, where you touch the robe of uh, the, the, the minister. We don't, we don't do that. We don't wear that today. But, but, they did. And Jesus was there. So you understand, what is it that they, what is it that made them healed? What, what, what were they doing? They were touching a robe that's of the man who was observing God's law, dedicated to God, completely given to God, and they believed if they touched him, they would be healed, that he was a special kind of individual. They wanted to touch it. So again, we tend to see the Bible in terms of our own stuff. I tended to make a misinterpretation. Don't give what is holy to dogs. That was metaphorical. It was not meant literally. Jesus was saying, don't cast pearls. Don't say, don't tell the truth to people who don't want it. Who would, who would rather just have the earthly kind of existence of sin. And, and I'm not going to go down here to, the, to Skid Row where the bums are drinking and say, you know, you, let me tell you the truth of God. Because if, if they're just absolutely involved in wanting to do degradation and, and drunkenness and carousing and, and that, they're not going to hear it. They're going to make fun of me. Laugh at the, at the truth. Don't cast pearls to swine or give holy things to dogs. People who don't care about it. Swine don't care about pearls. Dogs don't care what it's holy. Whether it's clean or not, throw it on the ground. Dog will eat it. So we tend to see the Bible through filters of our society, for filters of our own times. For example, the phrase, Whosoever does not become like a little child. Now today, little children in our society are highly exalted. In the Middle East, little children were not exalted. 
get those kids out of the way. You know, move those kids away. You know, disciples knew it. That's why they did it. You know, get those kids out of the way. Find Jesus said, hey, let, let those kids come to me. And he took them and he blessed them. Today, we put children very high, you know, in importance. For the children. Everything's for the children now. You know, they think that. But in that day, a child was, you know, they, were, they, they, they took a back seat. And they were humbled. They were humbled. And Jesus is saying, you know, if you look at yourself like a little child, you do not think in terms that you are a great person. You ever do something, I, I, I do this periodically with kids, and say, you know, yeah, you, I, could you drive your daddy's car? Do you want to drive the car? No, I can't drive the car. Well, what do you mean? Don't you want to drive it? You know, no, I can't drive it. And, and, and a little child will know there are certain things I can't do it. I, I don't have that ability. I'm not there yet. Whosoever receives the kingdom of God like a little child, if you don't receive it as a child, recognizing your dependence on God for deliverance, your dependence on God for forgiveness, your dependence on God to make you perfect, to, make, to bring you to a place where, yes, you will enter God's kingdom. You will in no wise enter it. You think you're, if we all think we're so smart, we're so good, we're so big, we're so tough, we're so great, we can just, we're going into the kingdom. No, get out of the way. Oh, oh, I'm going into the kingdom, you know. Get out of my way, I'm going to the kingdom, you know. Hey, you're not, you're not you're, you haven't got there yet. You're not in the right spot, okay? So we tend to think, and we, and we, we, have, to, we have to become more adept at understanding the scriptures and more adept at understanding each other. We see through filters. Love is now here. Love is nowhere. What filter do you see it? We hear through filters. We interpret through our own ideas of words. And those words can lead to misunderstandings. From. Count from. What's from? From beginning with. By the way, you had, you had the Pharisees. They believed you had to count from the morrow after the Sabbath. And they believed that was the morrow after the 15th day of unleavened bread, they would start with the 16th. They always came out to seven, six. You know, they always, always came out to the same date because they counted from that date. The Sadducees, I mean, the, 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 the Essenes counted, they thought that the morrow after the Sabbath, that that Sabbath was the last day of unleavened bread. They counted from the morrow after the last day of unleavened bread, and they came out a certain date every day. The Sadducees believed that it was for the, the, the morrow after the weekly Sabbath. And we've adopted that because we think that, why would you have to count it? Why don't you just say the date? Why do you have to count it if you, if you every date? But then there are some people interpreted, you know, you're counted, and you're supposed to do a certain thing every day for 50 days and all that. So supposed to count it every day. So, but you count from begin, which means we started with one. Sunday is one. Getting the feedback. Asking people what you mean. 
You said this, did I get it right? Is this what you meant? Did you mean to say this? Let me see if I got it right. Because words are what? Inadequate. Words are easily misinterpreted. Let me give you an example. Got to tell on me and my wife. My fault primarily. I got to say, you know I have to say that, right? Uh, no. Okay. She was uh, wanting to finish up the family room, just got a couch for it, and she wanted to get some throw pillows and finish up the decoration of the family room. So she says to me, uh, honey, would you, you, I need to go and buy some extra pillows and do some shopping. Would you like to go with me? <laughs> Now, I'm shaving with my electric shaver. I hear her say that. She's in the dressing room. I'm shaving. I stop the shaver, and I'm thinking, you know, I could take a few hours off here, and I could, we could go together, and uh, maybe we'll go out and have a late lunch. You know, it'd be fun, and then maybe, you know, we could take in. It's a Sunday. We can take on a movie, and we'll do, you know, that would be nice. So I say, would you like to make a day of it? She says, just forget it. Forget the whole thing. I'll do it. I'll go out and chop like I do. I'll have to do it like myself anyhow. You know, I'll just do it all for myself. That was not quite the, was not quite the reception I thought. So I said, I think she misinterpreted me because I didn't say it well. I said, I knew what I meant by making a day of it. She didn't know that. So I said, what did you hear me say? She said, just forget it, honey. That's okay, fine, just forget it. I'll go by myself. I said, what did you hear me say? She said, you said you didn't want to go because it's going to take all day. <laughs> now, <clears throat> you hear the filters? You see the filters? And I said, you know, let, let me say it this way. I said, I, I, it, it was poor... Poor choice of words on my part. I said, I said, you want to make a day of it. What I was thinking is that we would go and do some shopping, get that done, and then we'd have a late lunch, and maybe if you wanted, we could even take in a movie or something like that. We just, we could go the whole day. That's what I was thinking. She said, oh, oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. So she said, well, I know you don't like to shop. <laughs> I know you don't like to shop, so I figured you say you were saying. I said, I understand. See the, see the filters? Every one of us has filters about another person. If you know them really well, you know their habits, you know their tendencies, you know their ideas, you know their, their customs, you know the way they do. And you have a filter in you about them. So when they say something, you know who they are, and you're, they're filtering that through that particular what you know about him. So she filtered it. He doesn't like to shop. He said, is it going to take all day? I don't want to go. That's what she heard. We often hear things that are not said because we, we make the interpretation. 
You've played that game where one person whispers to another, you know, somebody gives you something written, and you whisper this and whisper this, and he goes around the room. By the time he gets to the end of the thing, it's so misinterpreted, so far from the original statement written that it's not even funny. Because words are inadequate. Unless you give feedback, you're, you're always going to have misunderstandings. Well, they're always going to have them. You're always going to misunderstand. So you want to give feedback and try to get it as clear as possible. And the best way is to give, is this what you are saying? Now, in her case, right away she reacted. She, she heard, I don't want to go, it's going to take all day. They said, fine, fine, I'll go by myself. See? So again, poor choice of words on my part, interpretation on her part, misunderstanding. That's how we, we, we have to get the feedback if you're going to, to not misunderstand each other. And you have to understand the Bible in its context. You have to understand the poetry of the Bible. That you can't often just put an absolute ironclad promise on poetry. Because poetry is exaggerated for a purpose. It's exaggerated for, for glory, to God's glory. But it's not to be taken 100% literally. Okay? There are plenty of literal statements in the Bible. How many of you take this? God is light. There's a light. God is light. That's metaphorical. You understand, right? You don't, you don't bow down before light bulb, flashlight, headlights. God is light. But it's meant... He's light and truth and open in, in the way to see the way of salvation. The beams of light that come into our lives. The truth that is revealed. That's what it means. It's a metaphor. There are many, many metaphors in the Bible. So when you understand the Bible right and work at it, it makes much more sense. When I was a kid, I thought you shouldn't throw holy things to dogs. So I threw the fat over the fence. See, I didn't know the Bible. I'm still learning it. It's a big book. All right, that's the uh, seminar. Any questions, any comments, any feedback, any other thing? You misunderstand totally. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, we're done.